630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley takes the snap. He'll look to the right side. He's throwing deep again. Going to the end zone. Up in the air. Touchdown Eskimos. Adarius Pullman. Hey, that's three. From Carpath and Finland, Jesse Pogujarvi. He takes the snap and J.C. Sherrick goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it. Eskimos win the football game. It is short. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Blue Jays in action as they continue their push for the playoffs. No score against Tampa Bay, middle of the fourth. Man, we are set to get busy here on 6.30. Chad, Friday we'll be broadcasting an Oilers rookie game from Van Tichten. Saturday we have a World Cup game, Canada against the Czech Republic. That'll lead into another game in Penticton, Oilers and Flames. Sunday at 1. We'll sign on from Regina Eskimos at Rough Riders for the last time from Taylor Field. Six o'clock Sunday, Connor McDavid and Team North America against Finland. Whole bunch of live sports next week. It is going to be fun, and it is that great time of year. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, and I have decided to not audition for Dancing with the Stars. I will continue hosting Inside Sports every evening. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We're going to have some fun tonight. Mookie Mitchell, former Edmonton Eskimo and Toronto Argo, one of the best in the business when he played as a receiver in the CFL, will be in studio at 7 o'clock tonight. He is going to be inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in Hamilton on the weekend. Friday night, in fact, when uh, the Tiger Cats host Montreal. Jack Armstrong, I always, uh, I already got a couple of texts here to 630-630 asking when exactly he's going to be on. Uh, the energetic basketball commentator from Toronto Raptors broadcast, he's going to be on between 8.30 and 9 tonight, and we're having him on because he's coming to Edmonton to speak at Basketball Alberta's Super Weekend. That's a big coaches and officials symposium that they have every year. So Jack is on at uh, 8.30. All right, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. By the way, presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino, the Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park on September 17th. That is Saturday. Be there for a great day of racing. Matthew Panashik is our studio producer on the other side of the window. Matthew, old boy, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. You have broken out, I believe for the first time this fall, the Cincinnati Bengals hat. They are 1-0. Was it not a last-minute field goal to defeat the New York Jets on the weekend? It was, sir. It was It was quite the thrilling game. All right, so you're. Uh, I, I assume this week I'll be seeing you in a Bengals hat, probably in an Eskimos hat at some point, or shirt. I think you have a shirt. I actually know your... This is sad. I know another man's wardrobe that I work with. We don't live together. <laughs> Uh, I assume you'll have an Eskimo shirt or hat at some point this week. Probably a Yankees hat at some point. Uh, you may save the Oilers hat until next week. Yes, the Oilers hat's probably coming out next week. Get the dust off it and get the cobwebs off it. Get it going for the season, Reed. That's what's going to happen. Uh, do you like the Blue Jays at all? 
You know what? I cheered for them last year because I felt like, you know, as a Canadian, they've reached a certain point in the playoffs. And I said to myself, why not cheer for these guys? They're a Canadian team. We should be cheering all for the Blue Jays. So I cheered for them. And then they let me down in the ALCS. So what can you do, right? All right. Well, you can't do anything. <laughs> as, a, as a fan, you're totally helpless. By the way, was that not a joke last night, the uh, L.A. Rams? What a joke. 28 uh, nothing. What a joke. They didn't look good. They didn't look good. I blame the entire city of Los Angeles. <laughs> That's what happens when you put an NFL team in a city that doesn't really care if they have one or not. Yeah, I was watch. I, I after work, I met up uh, with some buddies who usually convene for Monday Night Football. So I try to join them uh, when I can. So I wasn't totally engrossed in the game. It was a lot of visiting because I hadn't seen a couple of the guys in a while. But yeah, whenever I looked up, it it looked like San Francisco was winning almost every play. And yeah, twenty eight nothing. The big shutout in the National Football League. All right, few things to get to here. Tough news for the Edmonton Eskimos, and we'll talk more about this with Dave Campbell later on tonight. Calvin McCarty is on the six-game DL with a broken fibula, so that's not good. So the things continue to shake up at running back. But I, I have some other news for you Eskimos fans who have been crying out for a better return game. They signed a kick returner today. Now, they aren't practicing yet. They get back on the practice field tomorrow, so we'll have more information about the depth chart. But Troy Studemeyer has been signed. He has played in the CFL before. He was released by the Minnesota Vikings at the end of August. So, at the very least, a little competition for Kenzel Doe, who I know has underwhelmed a lot of you, including me. So, uh, Dave will break down that, that for us as we move along tonight. I also want to congratulate Brett Kissel, friend of the program, from Flat Lake, Alberta. We had him on last week leading into the Canadian Country Music Awards in London. He won on the weekend. Male Artist of the Year. He won the Fans' Choice Award in part thanks to you, Inside Sports listeners, because we put out for you to vote. He also won Top Interactive Artist. He won thrice at the CCMAs in London over the weekend. Congratulations to Brett Kissel. Oh, and by the way, congratulations to my colleagues down the stairs from Kissing Country 103.9. Did you know they won Radio Station of the Year, Matthew? I'd heard a rumor about there, so congratulations to them. So despite how much Chris Sheets brings them down on a daily basis, they were able to overcome that and win. <laughs> <laughs> he brings us up, by the way, from 5 to 6 on Sundays with the Sheets Show. He's a good guy. All right, so uh, some news and notes there. Hey, I, did you have the old internet on your computer? Yeah, I, I believe do you ever, so. Do you, ever, do you ever look on Twitter, the old Tweety Box, as Morley Scott calls it? I have it on my phone, to be honest with you, Twitter. <laughs> that terrible? No, that's good. So, I was uh, seeing on Twitter today, the Hockey News, a respected hockey publication, did a little season preview on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, did you see their predictions for the Oilers, Matthew? There's a lot of predictions at this time of year. I missed that tweet today. I follow too many people. <laughs> Everybody has a prediction. The Hockey News says the Oilers will finish fifth out of seven teams in the Pacific Division with 87.6 points. <laughs> Don't ask me where the point six will come from. Their uh, worst-case scenario, they said 79 points. Best-case scenario, 95 points. And a 36.4% chance that the Oilers will make the playoffs. That's a fairly wide range, 79 to 95 points. That's eight. That's an eight-win difference. 87.6 points. 88, I think that's 
probably very reasonable for an Oilers prediction. Hey, 95 points puts you in the playoff 95, race. Well, and eight, if you get 88 points, there's a chance you could make the playoffs, right? Didn't, uh, was it Mini made it with 88 this year or the year before? Since they've gone to this new format, you know, the, the, the second wildcard team has been around 90, give or take a couple of points. So, I don't know. Is that is that encouraging that the Hockey News thinks the Oilers will barely miss the playoffs? Uh, I don't know. Fifth in the Pacific. I think there's a, a reasonable chance the Oilers finish ahead of uh, Vancouver. Then there's a few teams that are question marks. I'm not sure how good the Los Angeles Kings are anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right now. Yeah, I know. And the other team that overachieved last year for a bit was the Arizona Coyotes. I'm not sure their youth is going to be able to pull them out of the basement this year. Arizona? They did better than I thought last All last summer I was melting off that it's like, well, obviously Arizona's going to finish last this coming year. (laughs) It wasn't. It was the Leafs and then the Oilers. Yeah, I'm still not sure they're going to be any good this year either, Arizona. They're still going through some rebuild. They had a good season last year. They really started out strong and finished not so good. So who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll be the surprise team again this season. By the way, I saw Nick Kiprios on uh, Twitter. Just want to see if there's an update that uh, Tyler Sagan for Team Canada uh, may have an injury that would extend into the NHL preseason. So there's something to watch. I mean, we knew it was going to happen to somebody. You knew it was going to happen to somebody, and it's going to enrage fans of whatever team. Yeah, Nick Kiprios typing, hearing that Sagan sustained an injury during the preseason that could knock him out, well, the rest of the tournament. Pardon me, the rest of the tournament, which you would think would affect the uh, NHL preseason as well. Uh, I mean, if Canada makes the final and goes to a third game, that's until October 1st. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that story as we move along tonight. DW says, Reed, Kenzel Doe hasn't been underwhelming. It's just that I didn't know there was a fair catch rule in the CFL. Fair comment. And now, having said that, that's what Jason Moss has emphasized. Catch the ball. Don't turn it over. I think most of us are hoping for a little more explosiveness out of that. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Oh, hey, Rob Brown's going to join us for a little Oilers talk after the 630 News. But we will get the uh, Eskimos roster updates, the fallout from the McCarty injury with Dave Campbell when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Graham texting in. He says the 49ers shutout over the L.A. Rams was the first shutout on Monday Night Football since 2009. Graham also texts in, hey, Matt, Bengals stink. You didn't even hear that, man. Bengals stink. Is that what he That's said? That's what Graves is. Graham, your buddy, trash talking you. The Bengals are going to beat the, the Steelers. The Bengals are good. Week two. Uh, John says, knowing Tyler Sagan, it's probably his liver. Oh, John. <laughs> uh, Tyler Sagan, a uh, rumored knee injury. There'll be an announcement from Team Canada tomorrow. Man, a uh, bad injury for one of the Eskimos. Dave Campbell is the uh, our analyst here on 630. Chad, Dave, how are you doing? 
Really well, Reed. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. So Eskimos back on the field tomorrow. That's what we're looking at? That is correct. Yeah, back on the field. They're preparing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Sunday in Regina. All right. Well, this is tough. A guy who's become pretty popular over his tenure here with the Edmonton Eskimos, the longest-serving member of the team. I, I hope he hasn't played his last game, Dave. i got to admit, yeah. that crossed my mind for Calvin McCarty. You know, it's funny, that that crossed my mind during the offseason when they signed Xander Robinson, who uh, was ex of the Toronto Argos, and I'm going, oh, what does this mean for Calvin McCarty? Because Xander Robinson was a pretty versatile guy uh, in the offense playing for the Argos. But then he retired, and then, oh, there's the old man Calvin McCarty hanging around, and I think he's had a good season. You know, and uh, broken right fibula now. Uh, suffered against the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the uh, Calgary Stampeders in the rematch game in the third quarter. Uh, it's so tough, you know. And I, I'm with you. I hope we haven't seen the last of Calvin McCurdy, who I think um, still has some, you know, one or two, three. I don't know how many seasons, but I think he can still play. Um, and it's it's tough because he's so valuable in other areas. He's a key part of the offense as far as blocking and being someone that can run the football and someone that can catch the football, but he's so valuable in special teams as well, and they're going to miss him in that area. So puts him in a bit of a bind. Uh, Mike Miller now is the starting fullback, I would, I would uh, suspect. They probably bring Aaron Milton off of the practice roster. Uh, he who played some games last year, played some games in his rookie year. He's a second-round pick from 2014 out of the University of Toronto. Um, so he might get some uh, get some time too. Uh, but then at running back, there's an issue. Will Will John White or potential issue? Will John White be able to play? He mm-hmm. didn't play most of the 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 rest of the game when he got hurt in the third quarter. Um, looked like he was dangling his shoulder there a little bit. Came back and. Uh, was hitting that left shoulder, and he fumbled the ball, and that ended up costing the Eskimos some points. So uh, will Shakir Bell play? So I don't know what they're going to do with their roster, but uh, it definitely does have a a big-time effect on uh, losing an experienced player. They still have some experience in Mike Miller, but he's only been at the fullback position maybe two years, if that. So it's it's a big loss. Well, Shakir Bell was great against Saskatchewan a couple of weeks ago, so... Uh, and I know a lot of people wanted him to keep playing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they wanted it to be because John White got injured. But so that do you think that fumble White committed in the second half was injury related? It, well, it looked like Jamar Wall went. Uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but looked like he hit the the arm, the left arm, the left shoulder. So mm-hmm. just you know, the ball popped out. So you know, uh, that's that's just my what you know, that's just my read on the situation. Um, but. You know, it's tough for John White, who, out of the goodness of his heart, was trying to play. Probably shouldn't have maybe been in there, because after that, his helmet was off and he was, he was done. Yeah. You know, the Eskimos didn't have a running game at all, so and that made it quite difficult, I think, for the offense to move the ball. And they found ways to move the ball, you know, especially in the the last drive to set up the the, the field goal attempt for Sean White from 52 uh, yards and, and then in overtime. So I know some people are getting on me on Twitter about, well, it was. Such a, a a boring offensive strategy. I'm like, you don't have a running back. Right. <laughs> what are you going to do, right? So the team had on just under 500 yards of offense. So I think the offense did some good things except score when they need to score in the red zone. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens at running back. I'm really curious to see that situation tomorrow at practice. All right. The return game. I, I know certainly on inside sports, and I think you get it after games too, has been criticized. To me, Kenzel Doe has been competent, but uh, I mean, we know that the the averages are 
you low. know, low yep. in, on both kickoffs and, and punts. I, th- I think more so. I think punts, they've been last on average punt return yep. yardage. He has this job because Joe McKnight was, was fumbling. Yeah. So, you know, they want Doe to catch the ball and get what he can, but he, he's not really explosive through the through an opening, I, I found. Uh, so they've a new, now do you think Troy Studemeyer, that's how you say his mm-hmm. name, he's been signed. Could he play already on the weekend? I guess we'll find out tomorrow, but we'll clearly f- some competition we'll here. We'll find out. I think there's a chance he could play. And uh, th- this is someone that has the explosive ability, like you mentioned, uh, 11 yards uh, average on a punt return the last couple of years with the Bombers, 22 on kickoff return. Uh, so he's got some ability. You know, he's, uh, he has one punt return touchdown. Uh, the thing with Troy Studemeyer compared to Kenzel Doe, Studemeyer has fumble issues. He's had, he's had trouble handling the football, where Kenzel Doe's only had one issue with handling a a, a, a return mm-hmm. but and Jason Moss honestly covets that more than average he says averages you look at the the averages this year there there's not much separation and he is right because they're from last to first is separated by six yards eight yards average uh, near eight yards for the Eskimos and I think the the Lions have the best at 14 a kickoff return it's around three or four um, the one thing Kenzel Doe doesn't seem to do as well as other returners is once the hole is there, he doesn't explode through it. Right. He gets through it, and he's had some good returns. Mm-hmm. But definitely Troy Studemeyer is someone that I think that can definitely hit the hole and hit it quicker and maybe bounce into another lane if, if a lane shut off. Well, the, 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 the punt return game, and, and I'm not going to talk as much about the kick return game because you generally have more room when sure. you catch the ball, so you're going to get a few yards for free. The the punt return game, I, you know, I understand the averages and it's close if you average everything out. But how many field tilting returns have the Eskimos had? It doesn't have Not to go many. for a touchdown, but one where it's a, a forty yard punt with a thirty five yard return, and the other team's going, "Oh, that's great! We didn't even make up like we're our defense is going on the same part of the yeah. field. Our offense just vacated." Not so many. there there haven't been no. there haven't been many of those. So I mean, that to me. You can talk about the average all you want, but over the course of a game, would you want five eight-yard returns where you would average eight yards, mm-hmm. or do you want, or would you sooner have one forty-yard return and and four three-yard returns? I, I I would almost take the one long one and then yeah. the rest being shut down because it it makes more of an oh, immediate impact on the game. For sure, that's that's like a quarterback. Would you rather a quarterback go eighteen of twenty-one for no touchdowns or a quarterback go three of twenty-one for? Right. I mean, yeah. You know, it's maybe more of an extreme example, but you're exactly right. So, uh, you know, and I I haven't had really much of a problem with Doe. Uh, I've liked the the ball security. That's so important. Sure. Uh, But you would like to have more flipping of the field. I do agree with you. Part of it is him. Part of it, I think, is still the blocks aren't being set up well enough in front of him. It's hard to cover. I mean, punt cover teams have such an advantage because they just run at full speed directly at the returner, where a punt return team has to run with them and get in front of their guy, it's harder. But that's their job. The Eskimos haven't done it as well as I think you would like to see. So Studemeyer is definitely a guy that can definitely, uh, you know, find the lanes once he gets the ball secured, and I think he is a little bit more explosive. And he can play on the offense as well. So we'll see what happens. I find that interesting. You know, even though Jason Moss said last week, I'm not 
dissatisfied with my return game, he did also say we are going to bring players in to challenge. So, Dave, thanks for your time. Love it. Thank you. Dave Campbell, Eskimos Rough Riders, Sunday, 1 o'clock pregame show, 2.30 kickoff here on 6.30. Chad, Blue Jays now trailing 3-0 in the fifth. Rob Brown for a little hockey talk when we get back. Hi, this is Jay Onright from FS1 or from Athabasca. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30. Chad. And it is 6.35 after 5. Tampa Bay leading the Blue Jays now 3-0. We will keep you updated on that one throughout the evening. The Blue Jays coming into tonight. Couple games behind first place Boston in the American League East. Boston losing tonight 5-2 to the Baltimore Orioles. You can always text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. Rob Brown in a minute here. Just want to touch on uh, what happened at Montreal Alouettes practice today. Newly minted starting quarterback Rakeem Cato escorted out of the Alouettes practice today after getting into a shouting match with teammates. First of all, at former Eskimos receiver Kenny Stafford on the sidelines after a play went a little goofy. He was taken aside by former Eskimos coach, now Alouette special teams coordinator Kavis Reed. When he returned, he started shouting at Deron Carter, who was trying to call, calm him down. Cato then shoved Carter. Cato after practice. But man, it's just about respect. That's the whole main idea of it. Respect. Respect due to a dog, and that's how I feel. That's how I post life. That's how I post life every day. Respect due to a dog. I'm gonna respect you. I don't even know you from a can of paint, but I'm gonna respect you every day. I'm gonna respect you. I'm gonna respect all one of y'all. That's how I feel about life. Well, as we bring in Rob Brown, he might respect a can of paint more than he respects some of his teammates. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. That was quite the uh, quite the little interview that gentleman had right there. Uh, you know, emotions uh, boil over sometimes with with your own teammates uh, when you're when you're three and eight or whatever the Alouettes are. I guess it's going to be a, a, a bigger deal than maybe if it happens on, on a good team. But I mean, you must have seen that junior NHL. You played in the AHL and the IHL. I mean, so, sometimes. Teammates just get mad at each other. Sometimes teammates uh, don't like it, like each other. I, I mean, you're probably you're probably chuckling at that uh, a little bit. As uh, I don't know if it's a boys will be boys things, but I'm sure it doesn't surprise you. No, it doesn't. I mean, when you get athletes, especially when they get to the top of their profession, they're very competitive, and at times emotions boil over. And especially in sports, there's physicality. I mean, they get physical with each other. Fights happen. It's you know that number of times i've seen it in dressing rooms i've seen it in showers i've seen it on the on the ice guys getting the fights the thing that i didn't really like about that was that it became public and they talked about it publicly i've known a number of players have gotten to fights teammates have gotten into fights and when the media asks you say yeah nothing happened you know what nope just boys being boys and you keep it amongst yourself and you, you don't make it public you don't talk publicly about it because you're, you're a family i mean I grew up with, I got a younger brother. He and I have fought at times. We don't go and tell everyone that we got into a fight. Once the fight's over, usually it's over. You both got your emotions out of the way. You both got your anger, and you can move on. It's when you make it public, and when you start criticizing publicly, that's when you can't move on from it. And that's why I was giggling about what he was saying. You know, I thought probably, he probably stretched a little too far there. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it, a tough year in Montreal. I mean, that's an interesting 
I mean, when your quarterback does that in football, I mean, there's not really a comparable position in in other sports. I mean, I guess the goalie plays the whole game in hockey, and it's pretty. Good. But when you're, I mean, your quarterback's supposed to be the calm, level-headed guy, right? And he's going and getting mad at guys and pushing them. It might be kind of be like, oh, great, there's our leader. That's nice. Well, especially the quarterback. He's the guy that everyone looks up to. Now, if that quarterback's a little unstable or seems unstable, it's going to be hard for him to draw his teammates in and play for him. And I tell you, if I'm a quarterback, the last thing I want to do is piss off guys on my team because I need protection right. and all of a sudden I'm not you're not happy with me oh no all of a sudden that linebacker comes flying through someone missing assignment out so uh, again it, things happen like that emotions are on high and as you said when it, things are going wrong when you're not living up to expectations the frustration is that much higher so it's it, i not surprised that things like that happen I'm just you're just disappointed when uh, the players go public about it, and it becomes a story. Now, Rob, did you did you ever have to become a, a little testy with a teammate? Oh, I've, I've been in fights, yeah, in practice, in dressing yeah. rooms. Uh, but it, it's when you're you're with, and you've been around the others for a number of years. So hockey players, so three to four hours every day for eight nine months, you're together, and sometimes things are not going the way they're supposed to be, whether for you personally, whether for the team. And you get frustrated, and the way you deal with it usually is something verbal, and then it becomes physical. And most of the times, afterwards, you go for a beer and laugh about it. So uh, it, it does happen. It happens a lot more than people would expect. Rob Brown, Oilers analyst, joining us inside sports on 6:30. Chet, of course, you'll get Rob and me on overtime open line once we get into Oilers games starting on uh, September 26th with a preseason game against the Calgary Flames. You know, there's some breaking news out to, uh, tonight, Rob, from the the World Cup. It looks like Tyler Sagan has a bit of a knee issue and he needs to be off skates for seven to ten days, so he'll be. Uh, out of the World Cup, it doesn't sound serious that it's going to affect his uh, regular season with the Dallas Stars, though I guess we'll see. They're supposed to announce more tomorrow. I mean, that's the thing about these tournaments, right? And and some of these pre-tournament games have been have been pretty intense, but uh, I mean, from an Edmonton standpoint, I'm just hoping it doesn't happen to an Oiler, but eight teams, 20, 23 guys each, that's, you know, 160, 170 guys are going to play in this tournament. Unfortunately, you know, something's going to happen to somebody and, and it's going to mess up some things for his NHL team. Uh, I mean, how, as an ex-player, what, what's your take on these on these preseason tournaments? Are you like, great, international hockey, I'm entertained, or, or are you kind of like, you know, what, what what's going on? The upside doesn't, doesn't uh, overcome the risk. To me, I'm a fan of the Olympics. And every four years for the the NHL players to leave and represent their country, I'm all for I think it's incredible to watch. You get the players, at that point, they're playing at their best because they've been, you know, it's mid-season, uh, and it's incredible hockey. Uh, right now, I mean, a lot of these players are just getting into it. I mean, they're in great shape. Uh, don't kid yourself, but it's still not mid-season. And to me, pulling on your, your Canadian sweater, your American sweater, whatever country you're representing, is huge, but you've got a couple different teams in this that aren't even representing their country so i to me it's, it's not as exciting as if it was an olympic uh year and this was the olympics we were watching and i tell you that you, you said it there's an there's so many players playing in this and the compete level is so high there's bound to be injuries and there's bound to be a couple of injuries that happens during this that are not just a seven to ten day thing it might last into a regular season 
And we've seen over the number of years here in Edmonton when a top player goes down, how it can derail the season. And you hope that doesn't happen, but unfortunately it probably will. And I can see why a lot of owners uh, are probably right now fretting that uh, they could their season could go sideways in, in an instant if one of these players gets hurt. So I'm not a huge fan of this. Uh, it'll be entertaining, but if they weren't to have this, I'd, I'd, just, I'd find something else to do for those hours I'd be watching. It. Right. Well... That first Canada-United States game, I don't know if you're able to see any of that, but it was, it was the, the Tortorella effect, I thought, was, was on full display with the, uh, the belligerence of, of the, uh, the American team going up against the Canadians in, in the pre-tournament game. Well, there's one team you want to get smacked around as much as you can, the Americans. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> they become number one enemy, and the Russians, for years and years and years. Now it's the Americans you want to. You want to t- lay a beating to, and, and Tortorella, that's the way he is. He's a very brash, brash man, and I believe his coaches, or excuse me, his teams play that way as well. Uh, and those games are going to be a little testy, and that's what you're worried too. Is as you're watching, you're, if you're a GM of a Canadian-based player, and you're watching that, you're excited about watching him play in that kind of hockey game, but you're also a little nervous when you had a Kessler running guys from behind and, and things of that sort that you could lose a player for a long period of time and and wreck your season so uh there's good and bad in this and i'm not sure the good outweighs the bad rob brown joining us oilers analyst here on 6:30, chat and the uh, oilers radio network rob i'm going to penticton for the the young stars tournament as it's called the oilers will play friday night saturday night and monday afternoon we'll have all the games for you on 6:30, chat and then we ramp into training camp we'll have the uh, oilers and golden bears rookie game next Wednesday at 7 o'clock right here on 6.30, Chad. So it is picking up. You know, to, to tie in some of the World Cup stuff to to the Oilers' season, there have been very positive reviews so far, two pre-tournament games, for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He, I mean, he's a key guy for the Oilers because I feel like we, I feel like he's a pretty popular player. I feel like we know he has a really good skill set, but it seems to me we've gone into the last few summers saying, yeah, I just gonna need, guess it's gonna need a little more from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You know, you know what I mean. There's this kind of that, that almost that sense of a little unfulfilled potential lingering there with Nugent Hopkins. Well, yeah, I believe there is that. You're wondering when is he gonna break out? And I, it was funny. I'm reading the articles about it today in the paper too. And this is a, he's going into his sixth season, and to me that's amazing. I'm like, really, six years? It's already been that long for for, for the Nuge, and he needs to take that next step. I mean. Uh, he, he's been okay, but he hasn't been what they expected him to be yet. And he's got uh, that, that P, big P hanging over him, potential. People think he's going to be uh, a star in this league, and he hasn't shown it yet. Well, this, you know, right now for years, there's been a ton of pressure on the kids, on Nugent Hopkins, on Hall, on Everly, and a number of other guys that have gone through here and moved on. Well, that pressure's not on them anymore because now it's all on Connor McDavid. This is his team, and they can go out and play now. And if there ever is going to be big steps forward, for a Nugent Hopkins, this would be the season. He doesn't have to be the number one guy at center. He doesn't have to be the big point producer. He's got someone else that's taken all the limelight away. He's not going to play against the other team's best players, the other team's best defensemen. They're going to be reserved for Connor. So if Nugent Hopkins is going to take that step forward, it's got to be this year. And if the Oilers are going to have success, uh, they're going to need players to step up. You know, Connor McDavid could have the best season ever, but if he's by himself on an island, this other team's not going to have success. So uh, this is a good opportunity for Nugent Hopkins. Maybe the confidence he's going to gain from this World Cup will help along the way. 
He's playing with great hockey players. He's getting a chance to play uh, big minutes, important games. Maybe that'll spark him, and this season will be the season that we'd expected out of him. Yeah, I mean, kind of those 52 points in 62 games uh, as a rookie. Obviously, he didn't finish the year. Uh, he's had higher point totals, but that was that was the best rate that he had. Rob, always great to have you on the show. You and I are going to be spending a lot of time together starting pretty soon, buddy. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it, Reed. That is Rob Brown checking in tonight, Oilers analyst here on 630. Chet, it is 6.47, keeping an eye on the Blue Jays game as well. It is 3-0 for Tampa Bay leading Toronto. That one has now moved into the bottom of the sixth inning. You can always text 630-630. You can call 780-496-0063. Shorty says, I completely agree with Rob. I hope this is the only time they do this. That is from Shorty referring to the World Cup of Hockey. Um, well, the, I mean, the World Cup is, look, the, the World Cup of Soccer is, is one of the biggest sporting events in the world. I think it's second to the Olympics in terms of the, the magnitude of, of the event. The World Cup of Hockey morphed out of the Canada Cup. So there was a World Cup in 1996, there was a World Cup in 2004, and now there's a World Cup in 2016. It hasn't exactly been a regular event, and as Rob mentioned, now we have the Olympics. Now, if the pros don't go to Olympics in the future, I think that probably changes the interest level of the World Cup of Hockey, and it, it probably carries a little more meaning. I, I, in, for me, anyway, I, I mean, right now the Olympics are king as I look at it. Um, if, if the pros don't go to the Olympics, then yeah, the, the, the World Cup probably carries a little more weight. Mark says Hopkins is way overpaid for what he gives the team, and it's not even close. Well, he'll, uh, uh, yeah, he's still got time to earn that. Uh, I mean, look, there were the three $6 billion guys. One of them is now gone. This texter says, hey, read the soccer players play on club teams and their national teams all the time, and it doesn't draw attention. Enjoy the hockey, and let's make it a positive in order to grow the game worldwide. That is from Dennis, who says he is still a Browns fan. Dennis, you and Jack Michaels. Uh, isn't uh, RG3's playing for the Browns now, isn't he? Didn't he kind of have a rough game? He's out six weeks now. Right, he got hurt. So who's their other quarterback? Uh, uh, either Josh McCown, M McCown or uh, Cody Kessler from USC. I think it McC I thought I heard McCowan was going to play. I think he should because he's the veteran presence uh, in the quarterback position for them. I don't think they should throw a rookie guy like Kessler out there to the Wolves, that's for sure. Yeah, well, the Browns would never employ a less than competent quarterback. Uh, Johnny Menzel. <laughs> Spurgeon Dennis, wins. I'm sorry. You've obviously been through a lot of pain as a Browns fan. And if you're an Oilers fan as well, it's been a tough decade, decade for you. But uh, maybe the Browns will get better. It is 6.50. It's Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. Uh, Mookie Mitchell's coming up after 7. Stick around. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. What's going on with the Blue Jays there, Panasic? Oh, big home run for Russ Martin, a two-run shot. The Blue Jays are back in the game, 3-2, trailing Tampa Bay, of course, with two out in the bottom of the sixth. They've also chased Drew Smiley out of the game. There you the go. Ray's starting pitcher. Your scoreboard courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit Crystal Glass today. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, thanks for tuning in tonight. You can text us to 6.30, 6.30. Haas says, 
The Oilers have had a tough decade, yeah, but nothing like the futility Browns fans have endured. What have they made? Have they made the playoffs once since they were reborn after once. the other Browns moved to Baltimore? And I believe they blew a late lead against the Steelers, didn't they? I think in a wild card game, 2000, 2001, I want to say. Yeah, it was, was, uh, Tim, it was, was Tim Couch the quarterback? Tim Couch and Butch Davis was the head coach. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah. They've been bad, man. They've had so many head coaches, so many quarterbacks go through there. They just can't get anything going. You know what's interesting? I, I referenced this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm still slowly reading the book. I'm a bit of a slow reader, and I stopped to read another book in between. The, uh, the, I'm reading that book, This Is Your Brain on Sports, by L. John Wortham and Sam Summers. And they did a chapter on coaching changes and how they they don't they, their argument was and some of the numbers they use is that they they don't really help right <laughs> like there's no there's very rarely a, a spike in performance if you change coaches and most coaches in the nfl don't last very long now if you they say if you find the right one you, you keep them right but they so it's interesting but it's franchises have to have stability but to have that stability you have to find the right people right Graham says uh, 26 starting quarterbacks for the Browns. Yeah, I knew it was up there. Graham, how many starting quarterbacks have the Browns had just since Brady took over as quarterback of the Patriots? Because the Browns would have been in the league again a couple of years before Brady became the starter. Do you know, Reed, they drafted a quarterback in that draft ahead of Brady by the name of Spurgeon Wynn? Uh, did Spurgeon Wynn wind up playing for the Vikings? Did Spurgeon Wynn come to the CFL? I was going to say the Blue Bombers. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, maybe not. We'll have to look during the break. Um, Shorty says, don't try to compare this to the Soccer World Cup. Not even the same thing. Does the Soccer World Cup have a team North America? Are they run by a league? And Alex says, soccer players play on club teams and national teams because soccer is a non-physical sport, so the physical nature of hockey is what makes it an issue. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a comparison uh, between just the whole structure of the of the World Cup format. I mean, Nick Ledgerwood, who plays for FC Edmonton, and by the way, they have a home game tomorrow night at Clark after having their home unbeaten streak come to the end on the weekend. He went and played for Canada last week in their qualifiers. But it's just, it's, it's a whole different setup. You can't really compare, I don't think, the prestige of the two World Cups. Doug texting in, Spurgeon win played for the Argos. Mookie Mitchell up next. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.